Welcome to Outsmarting Implicit Bias, the podcast on understanding the mind to make better decisions in life and at work. So what are the kinds of good things that you think you do in your everyday life? Well, I turn in my assignments on time or I give soup to a sick friend. I help old ladies cross the street. And do you really? Sometimes with their, their bags. I recently had a conversation with Sakira Hudson, a member of Harvard's psychology department. We were talking about what it means to be good, which pretty quickly turned into a discussion about being bad. So what's the, not the problem of doing good things, but I guess a common misconception about doing good things? I think when we think about doing good things, that it sets us up really well for the future. That when I do a good thing now, that means I'm going to do good things in the future. That's not quite how it works. We don't just do good things and then more good things. Instead, we track our good behaviors and use them to justify our bad ones. So if I do a good thing like going to the gym, now that justifies some of the bad things I might do after the gym, like eating an entire pint of ice cream or sitting on my couch for three days and binge watching a TV show. So all of these things sound really relatable. Yes, yes, they are. We all do them in a lot of different domains. This might be kind of sad, but I <laughs> I very carefully track how much work I've done and I justify not doing work based on how much work I just did. So it's like, oh, yeah, I just like went to a meeting or I answered one email. It was an important email. It was a long email. So now I can take a break for X amount of time. Should we say broadcasting this until after you graduate? <laughs> Sakira said I could air this, because her advisors probably already know this happens, because they probably do it too. We all do in different ways. Psychologists call this moral credentialing. It's not conscious. It can even go against our best interests or the things that we consciously believe. But we do it all the time. The question is, does it matter? As I said during the interview... So all of the examples that we've talked about so far, like honestly... Who cares if I eat a lot of ice cream? If that harms anyone, it mostly just harms me. And that's where scientific experiments come in. They show us how the consequences of moral credentialing can be bigger. For instance, a study by Khan and Dar showed that we're more likely to indulge ourselves and buy expensive things after donating to charity. Another study conducted in 2010 found that after we buy eco-friendly products, we're more likely to behave in unethical ways. And Sakira brings up another point. It's not just for personal behaviors that this plays out. It also plays out in the workplace. So here's one study that shows how this can work. Psychologists Monin and Miller at Princeton gave hundreds of people a stereotypically male job description. So this is something in the building industry that involves contracts, negotiations, and working with foremen and contractors. And then they asked these people, would this job be better suited for men or women? Now, if you're like me, I would immediately go, ooh, this is a tricky situation. And I think many of us might go like, no, you know, they're equally likely to be in this position because we don't want to appear sexist. So that was the test. How would people respond to this question? And here's how scientists tested the power of moral credentials. Before presenting the job description, they showed half the people other statements. Things like, men are more emotionally suited for politics than are most women. The best job for most women is something like cook, nurse, or teacher, or most women are not really smart. And then ask them, is this statement right or wrong? 
pretty simple question. Now, what the research showed is that when I'm able to say something is really sexist, I now have a moral credential. I'm actually more likely to say that the man is more appropriate because clearly I'm not sexist because look at this good deed that I just did. And it's not just gender. We give ourselves credentials for everything from the philanthropic companies we might work for to the candidates we endorse for political office. In another hiring study, Benoit Monin and his colleagues found that people who endorsed Barack Obama, this was back in 2009, were more likely to endorse hiring white over black candidates later on. Look, this is not intentional. We're not trying to find ways to give ourselves a free pass or do things that we shouldn't do and don't even believe in. But after doing something good, we seem to morally relax. So the question is, what can we do about our moral credentials? How do we outsmart our minds? As a listener, I hear all this and I'm like, I just better not do any good thing ever again in my life. So what's your response to something like that? Well, that's not the takeaway message. That's just anarchy and chaos. What we should instead do is really pay attention to what we're using our gold stars for. So if your job is to help people, so you might be a doctor or a social worker, it's really easy for us to come up with situations that we can put in our do-good bank that we can then spend after our job on something that might not be so good. So that's the first thing. Be aware of whether your day-to-day activities set you up to collect these gold stars for good behavior. Another thing to watch out for is language. Anything that sort of uses our past behaviors to justify our current ones. Well, we just hired a woman. We just hired an ethnic minority. I personally just drafted a diversity statement. The pool of applicants was just so diverse. Therefore, the outcome must have been fair. Things like this are clues that moral credentialing might be taking place. And the last thing we talked about was how to sever that link between past and present behavior. We can't give ourselves amnesia for the good things we've done. But a simple thing to do is decide what your gold stars get you ahead of time. Give yourself a cheat day on your diet or schedule a massage or time off after a hard work week. If you have these rewards built in, it's less likely that you'll spend them somewhere else. Ultimately, we want to make the best decisions for ourselves as well as for the companies we work with and society at large. Knowing that our choices are made with no strings attached to the past gets us one step closer. Outsmarting Implicit Bias is a project founded by Mazarin Banaji, devoted to improving decision-making using insights from psychological science. This episode was developed by Olivia Kang and Mazarin Banaji and featured Sakira Hudson. Support was provided by PwC and Harvard University. Sound editing and mixing was done by Evan Younger. Music was composed by Miracles of Modern Science. For all studies cited in this podcast, go to outsmartingimplicitbias.org.